This is the Peter Greenwood Show. I am here at the Waverly Bar and there is a lady to my left. Could you tell me your name and what you do, please? Hello, um, I'm Michelle Christine and I'm like a comedian and performer and producer, I guess you could say. How are you, Michelle? Are you well? I'm very well. How are you? I'm okay. At the time we were recording, it's not the best weather in Edinburgh. No, I, I brought my, um, my umbrella with me and it actually did the trick. That's a good idea. I didn't think to bring an umbrella this morning. But it wasn't windy. That's the key. Yes, I can handle rain to an extent as long as it's not windy. Yeah, because if you have wind, then your umbrella goes inside out, flies out of your hand, and then you are one umbrella down. So that was the key. It's not windy. I'll take my umbrella. Yeah, you, you made a good decision. Mm. There's you on the wall behind us. Oh, yeah. I like that. And what I did was I had these posters... Um, and then they were for a previous fringe. Yeah. And instead of throwing them out after that fringe, I thought, well, what if I cut off the bottom, which says the time and the price and everything, and then if I ever need them, I could just get a Sharpie and then add in, you know, save a tree. And yeah. it actually worked out quite well. There it is. What's the name of your show? And tell me, what, tell me about your show. Sure, so the first one's called 50% Canadian, 100% Crazy, Let's Laugh. And then I have a sequel that's called 50% Canadian, 100% Crazy, Let's Laugh Again. And um, the first show is about kind of the story of how and why I became a comedian in the first place. Uh, because I did go to university and, and got a degree and had a bunch of insufferable jobs and kind of fell into comedy. And then the second show is kind of like, what's it like to do fringe festivals around the world and to be kind of like an amateur traveling comedian and some of the hijinks I've got up to. I gotta ask, how did you get into comedy? <laughs> yeah, so well basically I uh, had a job and I got a, a severance package if you will. So the company went bankrupt and I got a chunk of money and basically you you can't uh, do anything during that time because you're kind of uh, on severance. So you're, you're technically classified as working full time. So you, uh, you don't collect unemployment or anything like that. Really? Yeah. So you're kind of free to do whatever you want in that time because it's like you're employed, right? It's better than furlough because it was actually at full pay. Right. Yeah. So I decided to just kind of Google some of the things that I like to do, which were talking, uh, making people laugh and public speaking. And then I found these stand-up 101 classes at Second City in Toronto. Ooh, Second City. Yeah. That's a, that's a name. Yes, it is. And it was interesting to see all like the pictures of everyone that had walked through the doors there. And I just thought, you know what? Um, I'm just going to take these stand-up 101 classes and give them a, a chance. And uh, kind of the rest is history. Sounds so cool, especially being in Second City because you've got like, especially up in Canada, yeah. you've got Eugene Levy, yes. Martin Short came through there, mm -hmm. all these fantastic people. Is it intimidating when you're like, oh, all these people are, are massive and I'm, I'm new to this? Does it get... Well, one time terrifying? too, I did, um, I went to um, America as well and I went through Chicago and I did a, a kind of a little spot at their second city there as well. And then one of the doors had Catherine O'Hare as well. And I was like, oh my goodness gracious. And I think that was probably one of the times where I was like the most nervous as well. Because I thought she, you know, was Canadian, went to America. Oh God, and she's not Canadian now. I'm going to be feeling really stupid. But maybe she is. I hope so. I think she's Canadian. I hope so. I know, touch wood. Okay. Well, either way, I know she's good friends with Eugene Levy, who's yes. Canadian. So it, Canadian. even if she's not Canadian, she's Canadian adjacent. So nah, let's, let's call her that. Yeah. And so I guess maybe because she's a woman too, I was just like, wow, like she's stepped foot on this stage and she's done five minutes. And the funny thing about that show was that I was there with a few other comedians on tour and they only had one extra spot available because it was kind of an impromptu passing through of Chicago. And I guess I won the, the short end of the stick or whatever it is to, 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 to get to go on stage. And that felt really cool because it was just, you know, 
you could see maybe 20 or 30 years before, you know, her doing the same thing. And you just, you, you wonder, you hope. Yeah, you, you see the, the shadows. It's like, oh, there they go. I might follow that path. Yeah. So how did the show come together? What did you... So that's a good question. Story? So basically, I did, um, I moved to Los Angeles for a few years and I wanted to get my comedy visa. So you can't perform comedy in America unless you have a visa. Really? Yeah. And then you have to get uh, a, a thing called a, an O-1 artist visa. So it's called an, uh, <clears throat> a visa where you have extraordinary artistic ability. That's what they use, extraordinary. And I was like, oh, geez. Do you ever want to frame that and be like, I am Yeah, I know, I know. So I was like, okay, I need to get this visa. But the first time I applied for it, I didn't get accepted right away uh, because they said I don't have enough kind of international clout. And so I started Googling, where could I do a show in another country? Found the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And literally, because I failed at something, I ended up finding the Edinburgh Fringe, which I've now done. This is my fifth year uh, running, other than, you know, last year being canceled. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes when you when you fail at something, it actually opens up a door to a better opportunity. That's pretty cool, though. Like, I wouldn't consider it a fail. I consider it a, 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 a trajectory. Yeah, yeah, or an obstacle that, like, yes. a challenge. Yes. And you're like, <clears throat> when you look at it, you're like, if I had of done this thing maybe my career would have taken a completely different path exactly and hopefully you know if because they always talk about the butterfly effect or kind of you know maybe you only get one big opportunity but I like to kind of think of it slightly differently than that where it's like maybe a few different paths can lead to a positive outcome because you don't want to think oh when I said no to that one thing that was you know me me closing a giant door to my life you know but maybe if I stayed in LA I would have met a person or I would have started a show and then it would have it been a, a different branch, but, you know, on the same tree, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of the way I look at it is like, try to take your opportunities, but also know that when, when one door closes, it doesn't mean that all doors will close. That's a very good way of looking <laughs> at it. Actually, something I kind of needed because I don't want to make this about me. We're here to talk about you, but no, it's okay. something bad happened kind of recently in my career. And I'm like, this is, this is awful, but yeah, we're, we're carrying on we yes. keep doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I want to ask a little bit about your path in comedy and some of the shows you've done in the past, which is basically part two of your show. You're giving away the entire show. Yeah, here. I know. I, I was like, no, that. no, it's okay. There's some punchlines that I won't reveal. So Fantastic. it's okay. Thank you. So what's been what's been like traveling the world and doing comedy in different places? It's pretty amazing. Like what I I did. So there's a Perth Fringe Festival. It's called Fringe World. Is that in Australia? It's in Australia. Okay, and there's it's, a Perth here in Scotland. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. And, and I think there's also I'm trying to think. Um, there's a London and then there's a London, Ontario. And then London, Ontario is vastly different than what London, yes. London is. And yeah. so, yeah, if you find yourself in London, Ontario, oftentimes you're like, hmm, okay. Um, but anyway, uh, so Perth, Australia has Fringe World. It's the second largest um, fringe in the world. And, or no, maybe third. I sh- the Adelaide Fringe is second. The sorry, Adelaide sorry, Adelaide. And um, so what was I going to say about this Perth Fringe? Oh, yeah. So I was going to go straight to Perth, but you have to make some pit stops. But then um, when I was living in L.A., there was this new flight that was from L.A. to Singapore, 18 hours straight, right? right? Very cheap because it was like an inaugural kind of week of flights. And so I I booked a a flight to Singapore because it was five hours away from Perth, but in the same time zone. So I thought I could fly there, get a, you know, kind of, what's the term, adjusted to jet lag, and then I'll fly down to Perth. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be in in Singapore for about a week, maybe I can see if there's any shows that I can do. And then I just literally started looking up comedy clubs, trying to find someone to to talk to. And then there was this guy from Scotland who'd moved to Singapore 
Singapore that started, I think it was called the Mary Lion, and was starting a brand new comedy club. And he's like, yeah, Michelle, you can do two, two days of your show. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And then you're literally going to a country and you know no one and you're like okay I hope people come to the show and I guess he, you know he was good at marketing and I kind of did some stuff on social media and both shows ended up selling out in really? Singapore of all places and you'd never ever expect that yeah so I think that's kind of what what touring is, is is that you sometimes stumble upon these great little pockets but then maybe you do a show in in Auckland New Zealand and you think okay this will probably be well attended it's the the capital I hope again knock on wood Canada adjacent uh, and um, yeah and so and that show maybe only had like a handful of people because of who knows why maybe there was something going on at the time maybe it was in a very popular bar you don't know you just kind of throw it a Hail Mary and so uh, you know it's, it's all about just kind of bumping and weaving and trial and error and you might show up to a place and think this is going to be amazing it's not you show up to a place oh, this is a hole in wall it ends up being your best show of the week so honestly it's all just about the adventure of it really that sounds so exciting <laughs> i find comedy so fascinating mm. because it's not as if you can well you may be able to get up there and sing a song once or twice and grab the audience but if nothing comes into your head you need to constantly be producing because there's nothing there if you don't think of something what's that process like yeah i think most of the time for my shows now they're they're kind of i, I wouldn't say scripted but i kind of know what i'm going to say because i've done them so many yeah. times but there's always unscripted elements always so say you you uh, say something and you say it like slightly differently than you normally would and you're like uh oh i didn't build up to this punchline you got to on the fly find a way to build that ladder to that punchline without them knowing that you like missed the first step do you know what i mean and that yeah. can be kind of scary because you're literally like i'm live i'm talking right now and you have to think ahead while speaking currently and uh, and not screwing it up so it is it can be daunting um, I, I usually try to uh, base my shows around like the story of my life so that if I do kind of something happens maybe uh, someone drops and breaks a glass or someone gets up to go to the bathroom or something distracts you you can always kind of find your way back because you're like oh what happened in my life do you know so it's yeah. always it's there it's my life but if you were like a one-liner comedian where everything's kind of a, a made-up thought that you then weave and then you get thrown off, I would probably find that quite challenging to get back. Because I, I, if I think, oh, I was just talking about, you know, the Perth Fringe, where did I go next? Oh, yeah, the Adelaide Fringe. And at least there's some sort of, like, there's kind of a chronological element to my shows, which can be very helpful when there's, you know, the dynamic of live performance where every, anything can happen in the audience. I was going to ask about that because that, to me, and I'm not a comedian, I just talking to this really sure but i find it so interesting when something does happen in the room because that makes it an event and mm -hmm. it's never going to happen again yes and honestly sometimes those are the the, the laughs that are the biggest and strongest like the other day i had a show and there was a woman and she was from you know san francisco and then i ended up starting to call her like miss san francisco and then we would talk about something else and then i'd go back to miss san francisco and then it, it kind of just like evolved and so sometimes you can make like nicknames for audience members and then that can tie into certain things and you bring them up again and it's quite good or maybe there's a you ask a, an audience a question about a couple like some, they have a question where i'm like hey is anyone here with the love of their life right that's a question i ask in one of my shows and sometimes nobody puts up their hand because they're shy and i'm like oh wow that 
couples here with children, but there's still time to find the one. Like, do you know what I mean? So I'll do stuff like that. And that's always very, very, very fun because it's like off the cuff. And yeah. so, yeah, I think including the audience can be very bonding. Uh, the, the tough thing, though, is when it's, say, a late night show, which I've had many of, and people are very, very drunk. Uh, the, the, the people that just kind of like yell incoherently are kind of the hardest to bounce off of because yeah. it's not a, it's not a sentence sometimes. So you're just like, oh, goodness, like strap yourself in when you have like drunk people hollering because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah, that just basically describes Scotland. <laughs> but yeah, these are afternoon shows. So I'm actually like, oh, this is the winning combination doing a show at like two and three. Fantastic. Mm. I would like to ask a little bit about your exploring, your motorcycle adventures. Sure, yes. Okay, good, good. Well, I mean, if we have time, we might as well do it. And then you can do your little fun magic-y thing on your... I'm not very techie, so that's the thing. Is like People are always like, is there a digital version of your show with uh, closed captions if you're deaf? And like, I want a deaf person to be able to see yeah. the show, but I don't know how to do that, so it's a bit challenging. Yeah, it can... It can See, I take the audio off this and then put it onto a computer and chop it up. So Beautiful. This will all hit the cup. This is just for me and you. Okay, we good. Say anything we like. Good, good. Okay, so, yeah, so for motorcycling, I always uh, liked motorcycling. I wanted to get a motorcycle since I was 16 years old. And so I got my license when I was maybe around, like, 22, give or take. And I just had, like, a little Ninja 250 crotch rocket. And I would ride that all over the town. And I lived in Toronto going to like open mics, which was great because you could park for free if you had a motorbike. So I could literally rock up, do four shows in a night and not pay a dime in parking, right? As That's long as cool. I know you just squeeze in between uh, two cars. It was great, glorious, glorious way to travel. It was a bit cold in the winter. So sometimes I'd, you know, put it away and just take, you know, public transit. And then when I moved to uh, Los Angeles, it's, you know, it's beautiful every day. You can ride a lot. And I even started doing a bit of off-road you know, training and things like that. Yeah, so that would be, so it could kind of open up almost the entire world if you can take a bike off-road. And then I started partnering with BMW and taking some of their bikes that were kind of, you know, touring bikes. So I did kind of a tour across uh, Australia and I did some shows in Canberra, Sydney and Brisbane. And there was definitely some off-roading in some of those yeah. trails. It was pretty, I, honestly, I wish I had been able to film some of the, the places that I went to because I'd ask people, what's the most challenging way to get from A to B? I will go that way. And then I remember one time I was just like going through this like dirt path kind of high elevation and then like six and it was almost like a single lane kind of you know almost like on a switchback and this big like truck came by and then he's he's like oh gosh he's like are you here by yourself i'm like yeah he's like okay i'm gonna radio to the five other trucks that are on the way up just to make sure that they don't clip you going around a blind corner so he gets on his like radio and he's like there's a girl on a motorbike make sure you're careful and that was great because then they all stopped and made sure i had room to go around so that was really fun and then i did a, a cross canada comedy tour as well on a motorbike and started in St. John's, Newfoundland, went all the way up to like Vancouver Island where like Victoria is and then up north to Dawson City, which is close to Alaska and then drove it back to Edmonton and then had that filmed. So I'm trying to get, yeah, figure out how to get that cut into a well, documentary. It was filmed. Oh, I, I know I hired a documentary crew and now I have like terabytes worth of footage and I need to figure out how to make that into a documentary. So if anyone's listening and is a good producer or likes to make documentaries, find me at Michelle Christine. No, no, no. At Michelle Stand Up on Twitter or Instagram. Just message me and uh, we can we can talk. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can play a cowbell. Is that any? Yeah, film? there we go. <laughs> yeah, I'll just start with a cowbell. If you find me a producer, you can open it with a cowbell. <laughs> Done deal. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was fun. And then I did a, a European comedy tour on a motorbike too. So I did some shows, you know, in in Germany and in France and um, where else did I get to Luxembourg which was cool and yeah so honestly it's all just about 
picking up the phone, honestly, and just calling places and saying, I'm in town on day X comedy club. Can you fit me into a show? Or if you want to do your own show, like I have my own shows, sometimes you can just call a pub or a bar and say, look, I want to do an entire show. Is, do you have a stage? Do you have a date? Could, could we make something happen? And a lot of times, you know, places like the Waverly Bar, they're looking to have people come in early so that, you know, it brings in patrons. Because a lot of times at one or two or three p.m., there's not that many people going out and getting a drink. But if you put on a comedy show, maybe there'll be 10, 20, 30, 40, who knows? And so it's like a win-win. So it's just finding finding those synergies with the right businesses and then just, you know, you have to deliver. That's the one thing. You can't yeah. you can't go back if, you know, you do a terrible show, everyone leaves unhappy. You know, that doesn't build a good relationship. But I think by now I have shows that I do have confidence in and that, you know, then they send you a message after saying, hey, when can you come back? And that's what you hope for. And that's how you build the relationships. Exactly. That's really interesting. Mm. This is kind of a cliche question to sure. ask a comedian. Okay. And I apologize for it in advance. Uh, is it what's your favorite joke? No. Okay, no, well, no. there we go. As long as it's not that. <laughs> it's, I, uh, I'm trying to think of an interesting way to word it. That's okay. The gist of the question is, being on the inside of comedy, Sure. do you still enjoy watching comedy? Not as much. That is the truth, honestly. It's almost like if you're a chef and then you go home and then you're like, you you know, your friends want you to make them a meal. And it's like, you know, you, you love cooking and you love being creative and you love, you know, doing it. But then when I get home, honestly, I like watching like, Survivor, which is like very unpopular in a lot of places, but I love Survivor because it's, it's quite. Uh, I, people are like, "Oh, what? It's still on?" That's usually what you say. It's still I was on. Say it's still yeah, on. it's still on. There's an Australian Survivor. There's an American Survivor, and just recently they're allowing Canadians onto the American Survivor. It took like 38 or 39 seasons for that to be possible. And I would like, I don't know. I've always loved the show. I've done com like Survivor themed comedy shows where really? I have, yeah, like where I have like a batch of like I had um gals versus gays and like obviously it's a playful comedy name where it would just be a bunch of girls comedians and a bunch of gay comedians and they would like battle in little comedy um little comedy kind of uh what's the term challenges uh so maybe like a one-liner challenge or something along those lines it was so so fun and then one of the uh, gay guys couldn't come uh canceled last minute so i just did an open call to the audience and said hey does anyone want to just be on the gay team you don't have to be gay you don't have to be a guy just whoever and there was actually a gay guy in the audience not a comedian and he's like you know what I'm gonna do it so he gets on stage you know they do challenges vote vote people out and he ended up winning the show and I honestly think he probably went home and was just like this was the the craziest strangest night of my life but probably one of the, the probably top 10 most memorable that is very cool. Do you ever watch The Amazing Race? I did until I felt like it got slightly gimmicky with who mm. they would cast. Yes. Because I like normal people and it's okay if you have you know, if you're this or that, but I almost felt like they were trying to like look for like sensational, sensationalist um, competitors. And I felt like it lost a little bit of its pureness and yeah. maybe it's changed now, but it was just, I don't know. I probably watched it for four or five seasons and did really like it. And then, um, and then Robin Amber as well, who were survivor contestants went on the show and they said there was a little bit of producer trickery when they were close to winning the show and it made like a plane go back. And so then another couple could get on and then that couple like ended up winning. So, you know, I, I, I like shows where I don't think there's too much behind the scenes that are kind of taking away from kind of the core of the show. That's what Big Brother used to be in the UK. When it first started, it was a fascinating thing because it was just ordinary people yes. just hanging out in a house, making their own kind of rules. But after a while, people realized, hey, we can get rich of this. So mm. we started casting the nutters. Yeah, the nutters say. and the celebrities and the, mm -hmm. you know all that stuff. And so yeah, for me, yeah, I, I, I like seeing normal people 
And when they did the Survivor season 40, uh, Winners at War, it was great because a lot of the contestants were a bit older because they'd won already. So maybe they were in their 40s. They had children. And that was an amazing season. Like, you don't always need to ha cast 20-year-old bombshells, you know, because uh, there was one time there was a, a cast member named Morgan, and she was a model. And then the guy who won was Tony that year, and he was amazing. And he's like, I don't know if Morgan is a pillow or a person, because she just didn't move or do anything. And it's like, I want to see someone who's going to go in there and fight, you yeah. know? Like, actually do the show. Don't just be like, oh, my God, I can't light the fire yeah. it's so, like, dirty and yeah. I don't want to get involved with that. Yeah. Exactly. So I just, I just want to see, you know, fighters. And so, yeah, I don't know if I would be on Survivor because it's very tough. It's very, very tough. My next question, would you do Survivor? Like, honestly, probably if I was offered it, how can I refuse, you know? But I, I would be afraid of the getting the bug bites because I'm yeah. very prone to bug bites. I'm also very prone to getting cold and it's freezing, especially if you're a skinny woman. I'm also um, not very good at swimming, and there's tons of water challenges. So I think I would be on there, but I would hopefully, knock on wood, be able to make it somewhat far, given the fact that I, I wouldn't bring a lot of like survivor skills to the table. Yeah, you can just kind of hide out at the back and let the pack fight. Exactly. When the pack's done fighting, you kind of come out like, here I am, yes. my time to shine. Yes, exactly, like a wolf in sheep's clothing or yeah. something. Cool. This has gone completely in a yes, different direction. Yes, it has. <laughs> like I said, you can keep that for your personal collection and yeah. cut it as, as you like. This would be the director's card. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> Where can people find out more about you and about the show online? So if you go to the Fringe website, you can search by actually just comedy. If you want to just search by the comedy things. I'm near the top. Um, so my show is called, like I said, 50% Canadian, 100% Crazy, Let's Laugh, and then Let's Laugh Again. Um, you can also probably find me on, um, there's actually a, I think it's called Find My Fringe. Let me see. I want to check this app. There's this app that I found online that I found was quite good because it also shows you which shows are on, like, in your general vicinity, which can be nice in case people are on the other side of town. But it's called, yeah, Plan My Fringe. Uh, for 2021 and you can find me, my uh, shows on there as well if you just type in you know five zero it'll pop up um, and then it's at the Waverly Bar so you can just google the bar if you want to just try walking up and the shows are at 215 and 330 for the sequel it's up the road and round the corner a little bit from Waverly train station you have yes. no excuse not to come exactly close to the Royal Mile too if you're like a touristy person just coming out of the castle or something just keep walking down the Royal Mile until you get to St. Mary Street and then turn right thank you so much for your time today Michelle thank you it was a pleasure meeting you and um, hopefully you can catch a show at some point I would love to okay great well it was a pleasure it was my pleasure as well